As we come now to the scripture, let me ask you please to pray with me. Father in heaven, it's amazing that we have the very word of God before us. So I pray that we wouldn't take it lightly, but that we would tend to it as is worthy of this of this book, of this word, of this Bible that you've given to us. And so we pray, God, that we'd have full attention and you would take away any resistance we have to not only understanding, but most especially to believing and living this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. First Thessalonians, please, in chapter 2. First Thessalonians in chapter 2. I want to read verses 1 through 12. Someone asked me, I'd been gone for a bit last month or so, and people said, what are you going to preach when you get back? I said, where did I leave off? So here we are, First Thessalonians chapter 2. Hear the word of God. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you is not in vain, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from, other, from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also ourselves, because you'd become very dear to us. If you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. If you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. God will help me. I want to take just this expression from verse 12. To walk in a manner worthy of God. To walk in a manner worthy of God. That expression really needs nothing else in a sense. To show its profundity, its depth, its magnitude really of expression. It just that expression. Just take that expression. Walk in a manner Worthy of God. When Paul used that word walk, of course, he's using a figure of speech. He says, this is how you to live, this is how you conduct yourself. That is to say that all of our thoughts, and all of our words, and all of our conduct are to be, in this sense, worthy of God. All our relationships are to be worthy of God. Our marriages, our friendships. How we relate to our children, to our parents, to our employers, to the world. All of the, our relationships are to be 
worthy of God. All the words that come from our mouth, worthy of God. The work that we do is to be worthy of God. The reading that we do, the television watching, the movie watching we do, the texting we do, uh, whatever people do on Facebook, that's all to be worthy of God. Our sexuality, how we understand it, how we express it, is to be worthy of God. Our dreaming is to be worthy of God. Our dress is to be worthy of God. Our dancing, for people who do that, ours is to be, is to be worthy, you see, of God. Everything. How we live, how we walk, how we live our lives, every aspect of it is to be worthy of God. This is, this is a summary kind of statement. This is one of those statements that you read and you go, I can't pass this up. I, I really have to concentrate on this because I think this has roots and this has arms and fingers everywhere. This, this goes everywhere in the scripture, this expression, well, worthy of God. I think of it as what is a term that's used in the old prayer books. I don't know if you ever follow prayer book of any kind, but the older ones and still being used today by Episcopalians, Anglicans, some Lutherans, not very many Presbyterians. Although the Presbyterians, we do have a prayer book. Now the Episcopalians, Anglicans are famous for theirs, the Book of Common Prayer, but Presbyterians actually have a book, it's old, called the Book of Common Worship. And in it are Various prayers and readings and services and all kinds of things. Uh, and, and there's a certain kind of prayer in a prayer book called a collect. And when you read the word, it looks like the word collect. But you know, snobby clergy can't say collect. Yeah, it's kind of collect, right? But it's a collection. It's a collection of people. It's collecting the people together and collecting all their prayers together. And so a collect is a prayer. It's a prayer that's a collection, really, of prayers. And it's short, usually, but it, but it, but it's, and it's general, but it's usually profound. Usually, in a collect, there, there's, there's an expression about God, Almighty God and Heavenly Father, Creator of all that is. And then there's a sense of, of who we are. Forgive us our sins, for we have failed to live in a way that honors you. And then there's a, a sense of petition. But God, enable us then to walk with you, to live in such a way that's pleasing to you, avoiding temptation and sharing the faith. And then there's a sense of consecration at the very end of this, that I may be pleasing in your sight. Amen. That's a colic. It kind of sums everything up. This is kind of a ministry colic of Paul's, you see. He, he puts it all out. He says, really, what I've been doing, my whole motive for, for being with you is so that, this church in Thessalonica, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God. That's everything, kind of in a, in a nutshell, if you will. That, that's kind of a, a Christian Colic, a colic for the Christian in terms of identity, in terms of mission, in terms of who we are and how we're to live. We're to walk, live in a manner worthy of God that, that sums it, if you will, all up. 
And consistent with that, he says, he says, so important is this, that, that, that this is what we've exhorted you to. This is what you, we've encouraged you to. This is what we've charged you with. You see, when he said, I've ex- we've exhorted, he said, we've urged you, all of our teaching, all of our advice, all of our counsel, all of our instruction has been so that you would live in a way, a manner worthy of God. We've encouraged you, that is. We just didn't say, just say it, but we've lived it. We've lived it, tried to live our lives before you're worthy of God to encourage you, to show you this is how it's done. And this is the joy of living worthy of God. And he said, we've charged you with this. And by that he means very solemnly, we've stated this to you in such a way that it's a testimony, a witness, that you know this is how you are to live. So if you don't live this way, we will testify against you. If you do live this way, we'll testify on your behalf. That's what it charges. I'm going to charge you to live this way. This is a witness, a testimony. He says it's that important, that solemn. In our minds, we should be thinking, this is how I must live. And then he also speaks like this. And he's speaking, in some sense, softens this expression because he says, I'm speaking like a father to you. I'm not speaking just as an apostle. I'm not even demanding as I could as an apostle. I'm speaking as a father loves because a father wants to instruct. A father says, I know these things. I have a responsibility for your well-being. That's what's moving me. That's what's motivating me. I'm not trying to outrank you. I'm not trying to one-up you. I'm, I'm not trying to, to, I'm not doing this uh, to, to make me feel good. I'm not doing this to, to, to gain in any way. I'm doing this as a father exhorts and encourages and charges his children. It's, it's like that. He's not being condescending. He's not being your childish, but he's saying, this is my heart to you. Like a father, this is so important that, that if I were your father and you ask me, what's the one thing I want of my children? What's the one thing I want for my children? I would say, I want them to walk In a manner worthy of God. And so Paul says, that's why I've come to you. That's why I'm doing all of this. So that you'll walk in a manner worthy of God. And that's what the old preachers would say. That's the burden of the text. That's the burden of the passage. The burden, the the load, the weight of the passage for us to, to wear, if you will, to, to, to get, to feel, is that we're to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So what's it, what's it really mean to walk worthy of the Lord? Well, it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that we're to live in such a way as to make ourselves acceptable to God. It doesn't mean that. It's not about our worthiness. It's not about even our value. 
You see, the gospel says that we're unworthy of what we receive from God. So what we receive from God is called grace, right? Grace means I didn't deserve it. Grace means I didn't earn it. You know, when you work and you get a paycheck, that isn't grace, that paycheck. You should be at least worth that. The scripture says, Proverbs says that man is worth, is worthy of his work, if you will. He's worthy to, to earn from his, from his work. That's not grace. Grace is what you get as one who isn't deserving, who's undeserving, and in our case, even ill-deserving of what we receive. So it isn't that. Paul isn't saying you need to live in such a way, get your act together in such a way, get your life together in such a way that you're worth being accepted by God. It's not that at all. This is all about God's worth and God's value. And what the apostle is saying is, is that God is worth our lives. He's worth our full attention. He's worth our yielding ourselves to him. He's worth our submitting every area of our life to him. We're to live in such a way that is worth, shows the worth of God. In fact, this is the question that we ask people who are being baptized on profession of faith. This is part of the invitation to come to communion. This is a membership in the church vow, and it goes like this. Do you promise to live your life in such a way, as the old language is, as becomes a follower of Christ? Or you might say as befitting a follower of Christ. Or you might say is in harmony with being a follower of Christ or consistent with being a follower of Christ. In other words, it's simply saying, do you promise to live in such a way consistent with your profession of faith, with what you believe to be true about God, about Christ? To live that way, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And that's this very point here. We understand this in other spheres of life. For instance, when I'm doing a wedding, I could say to the couple at the very end, now, you're to go and live in a manner worthy of your vows. You're to go and live in a way worthy of marriage. Because you see, your vows have great value. So much value in those vows to keep your life. But you should live consistent with them, worthy of them. You should reflect their Worth. I remember, I've shared this story before. I remember years ago, I was having lunch with a man who was the president of Columbia Bible College and Seminary. He was a missiologist, Robertson McQuilkin. And he'd done a missions conference in the church I was serving way back then. And uh, we were having lunch and I said, hey, can you come back next year? And he said, No. I thought, well, how have I offended this guy? <laughs> you know, because it's all about me, obviously. And uh, I said, well, why not? Schedule conflict, you know? And he said, no, no, no. He said, I'm going to retire. And he was, at least in my mind, uh, too young to retire. And uh, 
<clears throat> was vibrant in his work. And I said, why are you going to retire? And he said, my wife has Alzheimer's and I'm going to retire to take care of her. I made a vow to love her. And anybody can be a seminary professor. Anybody can be a seminary president. But I'm the only one who can love my wife. He was living worthy of his vow. Living worthy of marriage. A mom or dad could say to their kids, live worthy of our family. And I can have a healthy and unhealthy aspects, we understand. But live worthy of our family. That is, that is, you're part of this family. This is who we are. Now, live consistent with that. A coach can say to his players, live worthy of this team, this institution that we represent. Live, live worthy of the game. That is, honor it. Honor the game. Honor your teammates by your life, by your play. We understand uh, what, that, what, that, what that means. A professor can say... I want you to study worthy of this subject. This subject is of such value that you should devote your time, your energy, your mind to the study of it. Be consistent in your life. You see, that's what we mean by that. And so then, when we come to this expression, to live worthy of God, the apostle is saying, God is God. And all that means... And we're to live consistent with who he is and what he's done. Live worthy, you see, of him. Uh, often this expression, worthy of God, is, is tied with, with pleasing. And for instance, in chapter 2, in verse 4, Paul, as he's kind of talking about his own life, which applies here, in verse 4, he says, But just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. You see, you see, to live worthy of him means to live to please him. Because he's worth that. He's worth our full attention. We could please anybody. We could please ourselves. We could please someone else. But, the, but really the purpose of life is to please God. See, if I please myself, well, that might make me happy. But am I the best to please. No. should live to please. God, chapter 4, verse 1, Paul writes, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you ought to walk, he doesn't repeat himself, he just says, we've already told you how you ought to walk, that is to walk in a manner worthy of God, and to please him, just as you're doing, that you would do more and more. That is, he said, to walk worthy of him is to please him. In Colossians in chapter 1, I read this earlier in our service. The apostle says, uh, so, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Some versions have pleasing him in every way. And so, so we're to do that. We're to walk uh, pleasing God. It's, these two expressions uh, are coupled. In fact, Paul uses the expression to walk worthy in, in various Places. For instance, in Colossians, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, he writes this, verse 1. He says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He said, you've been called by God. And if you're following this uh, letter to the church in Ephesus, this calling is, is, is from death, spiritual death, to life. 
God has called them from death to life. He's made them his. He says, now, given that that's true, you need to walk, live in a manner worthy of the calling that you have. And so he goes on in chapters 4, 5, and 6 of Ephesians to walk that out. He, He first says, well, if you've been called by God, then you've been called by God to live in unity with one another. Therefore, you need to be humble. You need to be gentle. You need to make every effort to maintain this unity that the Holy Spirit has established and do that in the bond of peace. You'll speak to him later and he says you're to walk in love. That's what it means to walk worthy of this calling, to walk in love. And then he'll walk through it in terms of how that love is to be expressed in between husbands and wives, between children and parents, between uh, workers and, and bosses and how we're to live. In Philippians, in chapter 1, he uses this expression again. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So, so here's this gospel of Christ that says that, that, that God has loved you in Jesus and called you to be his, forgiven your sins, adopted you into his family, declared you to be righteous, is at work in you now to make you holy, has promised you this, this time of glory to come. And he says, now, you need to live consistent with that. And the way he lays it out here is he says, therefore, stand firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. So he's saying, listen, the way you walk worthy of the Lord is to hang together, persevere in the midst of this, uh, of this opposition even that's come against you, and don't look afraid. Because God is with you. Because you belong to him. That's what it means to walk worthy. And then he's going to say, I want you to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be humble as he was humble. Uh, Then he's going to say, I want you to live rejoicing. Then he's going to say, I want you to live prayerfully. Then he was going to say, I want you to live standing against the enemy, firm in your faith. That's what it means. To live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And then in Colossians chapter 1, again from what I read earlier this morning, he says... And from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. What does that mean? Well, he goes on to say, if you're going to live worthy of the Lord, then bear fruit in every good work. Then increase in your knowledge of God. Then depend upon him for strength, so that he may strengthen you with all power according to his glorious might so that you may endure and be patient with joy. And it means to be thankful. All of that, you see. That's what it means to walk worthy. To walk worthy of God. To walk worthy of the Lord. To walk worthy of the gospel. To live consistent with it. That's who we are. That's how we're to live. Now notice, his particular direction, his particular nuance or bent in this passage in First Thessalonians chapter 1 or chapter 2 he says we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory that's what he wants us to get in our heads we say okay who is this God of whom I'm to walk worthy and he said oh <laughs> he's the one who's called you into his own kingdom and his own glory. Or we could translate this, if we wanted to be very economical with our words, into 
his own glorious kingdom. Now, now when the Bible uses the expression call, we need to think of that differently than our phones ringing, right? It's different than that because that can be annoying, right? It's different than that. This, this call from God is an expression of love and power. Because when God calls in this sense, it's a call that's effective to bring us to himself. It's the kind of call that he made to the disciples. Isn't it just fascinating to you when you read through the gospel? This Jesus walks around and says, come and follow me. And they do. They leave occupations, they leave families, they leave cities, they live, they live essentially their, leave their lives behind and go and follow him. That's this kind of call. Again, the, the, the amazing call of Lazarus when he was dead, that's this kind of call. When Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. Can you imagine having been there on that day? This man you had seen dead, wrapped up, put in a tomb, four days ago, is called. And you see, that's the image. That's the image of our salvation. That's this call. We were dead. Jesus calls our name. Now we're alive and we do come forth. It's that kind of call. That's an expression of, of real love. When he says we've been called, we're going to walk worthy of this one who's called us. We need to know in that his special love for us and his power to bring us to life, his power to transform us so that we will heed the call, so that we will believe, so that we will follow. So he's saying, walk worthy of this one really who saved you, we could use that expression, or who's rescued you. Last couple of weeks, Dave and Chad have talked about the Israelites in Egypt. It's, it's that sense of calling, that sense of rescue. They were enslaved. They couldn't get out. They couldn't do anything about it. And, and they needed God to come from the outside to them, to call them out, to rescue them. That's the story of our lives. That's the story of our salvation. That he calls us. He comes to us in love and power. And he rescues us. He takes us out of that bondage. That enslavement to sin. That's killing us. That will be our eternal death. And he saves us. And he says now. That's the one. That one. And you know in ancient Israel. That was his call to them all the time. Walk worthy of me. Because you, you entered into my kingdom. And my glory. That is you've come under my rule. Which is gracious and just. Which is merciful and compassionate. That rule. You've come under that perfect rule. The rule of God. Not the rule of men. You've come under the rule of God. That should delight you. You say yes. Where else would be better to live than in this kingdom. And you've entered into my glory. You've taken my name upon yourself. We could say, for instance, when a person gets married, that they enter into the glory of their spouse. Right? And and if you really like him or her, that's a good thing. And at that point, at least you should. That's a good thing. Enter into the glory, 
their glory. I'm taking their name. I'm taking, we're now no longer me, but we. And so now their character, I'm associated with who they are. That's glorious, you see. We love it when our teams win because we enter into their glory because somehow we are identified with them and we say, we're great, aren't we? Some people know you're not, but because but, but, you didn't win. But, 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 but we enter into their glory, you see. When you get a degree from a great university, you enter into that university's glory. All of a sudden, you take their name. People say their children is their glory. Now, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible mostly says that parents are to be the glory of their children. Woohoo! Think about that for a while. But um, Proverbs. But when we say that, what do we mean? We, well, well they, they do something great and, and with their parents and we shine with them. When we enter into the glory of the Lord, what it means is that we take his name upon ourselves. We're known as his and that which is great and true and glorious about him now becomes great and true and glorious about us we belong to this god who calls we belong to this god who powerfully lovingly rescues we belong to this god who's gracious We belong to this God who's sovereign. We belong to this God who's powerful. We belong to this God who's compassionate. We belong to this God who's wise. We belong to this God who's just. That's the God to whom we belong. He's glorious. We enter into his glory, his goodness, his wisdom, his power, his justice, his compassion. We enter into him and That's entering into his glory. And now we're told, live worthy of that. Live worthy of belonging to God. Live worthy of that. And so the question is, how do we do that? Well, in a sense, the same way the Israelites did. You know, when, when God brought them to Sinai, he was saying, enter into this kingdom. Enter into my glory at this place. I am the Lord your God who rescued you. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And then essentially he says, trust me and love me. Probably no and in there. Trust me, love me. One thing, really. Two sides of the same coin. And he says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, have no other gods before me. If you want to walk worthy of that, if you want to walk worthy of who I am, if you want to walk worthy of my kingdom and glory, if you want to walk worthy of the one who rescues, then then worship me only. Don't depend on anybody else. Don't depend on yourself. Don't depend on another God of another nation. Don't depend on some philosophy of life that isn't mine. Just depend on me. That's walking worthy of me because I'm God, he said. Who else should you trust? And don't make any images. Just trust me. Don't trust who you want me to be. Don't trust who you think I should be. Don't trust who somebody else told you that I am. And so you, you have this image of me. No, 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 no. Trust me as I, as I reveal myself. Honor me. Honor my name. My glorious name. 
Set time aside so you know who I am, so you reflect upon who I am one day in seven, so you can stop and gaze upon me so that if anything is out of whack and you've forgotten who I am and any of that and, and what it means to what I've done for you and what it means to walk worthy of me, then, then you'll get that back together on that one day in seven. So, 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 so walk worthy of me by, by having Sabbath, you see. By resting, which doesn't mean sleeping, and it doesn't mean watching games, and it doesn't mean taking time off necessarily. It means doing all of that, taking time off, so that we can put our minds upon God. That's real rest. Sometimes we be exhausted, but we need to rest. The way we rest is to put our minds upon God. And he says, okay, I'll give you a day to do that. Do it. And he says, love each other. That's honoring to me. That's pleasing to me. That's real life. So parents, children, obey, honor, parents. Don't kill, respect life. Be faithful in relationships, no adultery. Don't steal, don't lie, don't covet. Be content with what you have. Happy for the others who have something you would like. Don't covet. Live like that. That's living worthy of me. And so we hear this word today that we're to live worthy of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, it means to trust Him. It means to love Him. And in our trust of Him, it means to realize that the gospel says that the way that He rescues us is through this one who's lived this out perfectly. It was our Lord Jesus who lived perfectly worthy of the Lord, worthy of God. He submitted himself to his Father perfectly. He honored his Father perfectly. He pleased his Father perfectly. He did that and he did that as us, for us, if you will, so that we could be rescued from our sin. And now that he's rescued us, he says, all right, now live worthy of me. The way that we do that is we trust him. The way we do that is we repent of our sin. The way we do that is we're honest about our sin and we confess it before him. The way that we do that is we receive his forgiveness. That's honoring to him. You see, if God went went to all the trouble of having his son come and die for our sin, literally the least we can do is to receive that forgiveness. That's honoring to him, to receive forgiveness. It's honor of him, honoring of him to yield our thoughts to him and say, retrain my mind. It's honoring to him to yield our emotions to him and say, retrain my feelings. It's honoring to him to give him our words and say, enable me to speak in such a way that's pleasing to you. It's honoring to him to, as Romans 6 says, offer the members of our bodies as instruments of righteousness to live in such a way that's pleasing to him. It's honoring to him when we pray saying, strengthen me, help me, I need you. That's honoring to him. The the way that the church in Thessalonica lived worthy of the Lord and Paul was encouraging them to do it even more. But the way they, they did that is, is, is in chapter 1, Paul says, 
there are people who have faith, so they trust and believe, and, and then they work that out. That their faith in God fuels them to love and compassion. It gives them hope, and so they persevere in the midst of even difficulties. They work this out because they receive the word of God even though there's opposition and they receive it with joy. Uh, They work it out in such a way as to live their lives to be an example for others so that people can see how it is that one lives who is a follower of Christ. They speak of Christ. They live this out and they say God is worthy to be spoken of so this word is going to echo forth from us. And then in a collect, really, in a summary statement, Paul says, here's how you have lived worthy of the Lord. You turn to God from idols. That is, you said, I'll have no other gods before God. To serve the true and living God and then to wait for his son knowing that everything is summed up in him. In Paul's life, he he lived worthy of God even as he lays it out to the church in Thessalonica. And he said, I live worthy of God because I shared with you the gospel of our Lord even in the midst of opposition. I didn't worry for my own life, but, but God is worth me speaking to you about Christ even if they kill me. That's the value of God. That's the worth of the gospel. And he said, it's so valuable that that, that I didn't want to change it in any way. So I didn't deceive you with it. I I didn't trick you with it. I didn't flatter you so you'd believe it. It, It's it's great. I don't need to change it. I don't don't need to mince words here. I I can just lay it out for you, this gospel, because God's worth me telling the truth about him. How would you like it if someone was going to introduce you to another person and they said, now I'm not going to tell them about this, 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 or this about you because if I do, they won't like you. (laughs) And Paul says, I'm not going to do that with the gospel. God, you're great. I'm going to give them the truth. You're the forgiving, gracious, compassionate, just God. I'm going to lay that out for them exactly how it is. I'm not going to do it for my own greed because it's not about me. It's about you. You're worth my whole, my whole life. So the burden of this text for me is really the end of the day to ask myself the question, was, were my thoughts worthy of God? Was my speech worthy of God? Was my conduct today, the things that I did, worthy of God? Let's pray. Father, pray for me, for us, that there would be great joy of living worthy of you because, because you are the great God. Father, you have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. You've called us from death to life. You've called us out of the kingdoms of this world into the kingdom of God. Out of our own glory into yours. 
So, Father, I pray for me, for us, that we would live worthy of all that you are and all that you've done. Father, we're grateful for how you've, you've blessed us. You've blessed us with new babies this week. With Josh and Carol Nye and the birth of Ida Ray, we're grateful for James and Jen Schaefer for the birth of Eden Sharon. We're grateful. Father, we pray for those who find themselves in difficulty. For Clay Phillips, Father, as he continues his treatment for cancer, we pray that you would heal him and give him faith and strength. Father, even as we anticipate the fall starting and school starting with our, our kids and university students returning, we pray that as parents, as a church, we would relate to our students in a manner that's worthy of you, God, that we would live before them in a way that shows them how kind and gracious and forgiving you are. How worthy you are to be loved, to be trusted. Father, that they would see that in us, that we would exhort them and encourage them and charge them to walk in such a way as well. So, Father, we pray that you would be with us, that we may be a people that walks worthy of God. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.